part of the problem with his decision was we didn't have the knowledge that I have today. Mm-hmm. Had I known then what I found out after he passed away, mm-hmm. it would have been a different story. Oh, sure. Because I would have had the ammunition to convince him, look, you know, this is what you need to do. If yeah. if it means you need to move, then okay, let's go. You know, right. right. Uh, that was the big hang-up for him. Was just he was brought up to be, you know, an upstanding citizen. We do what's right. We don't break the law. And and I can't do anything but commend him for being. The young man that he was, but absolutely making the best decision with the information I, I, he had. I kicked myself for not doing the research sooner. Welcome back to Gramps Place, where my guests and I discuss all things of public interest and anything else that might need a little changing in the good old USA. From ending the drug war and freeing those wrongfully imprisoned for crimes that have no victim, to making government more like what our forefathers intended of we the people again. I talk with doctors, scientists, politicians, and more, so you can make your own decisions on important issues in the USA. I am joined in this episode by a representative of Texans for Responsible Marijuana Policy to talk about the upcoming Texas Cannabis Policy Conference. Amanda Hughes is both a fellow advocate here in Texas, but also has become a very good friend. I could sit here and try to list everything Amanda is doing, both with the conference and everything else, but it would be easier just to meet Amanda and listen to her tell us all about it. Hello, Amanda, and thank you for joining me here on Gramps Place. Hi, Chris. Happy to be here. How are you doing this evening? Wonderful. We know each other from our advocacy, obviously, uh, but please take a minute and introduce yourself for our listeners. Sure. I remember the day I met you on a street corner in downtown Austin, uh, two blocks from the Capitol, the day before Lobby Day, 2000. Mm-hmm. 17? 19? 19. 19. 19. Thank you. Um, So everyone else that I didn't meet on a street corner in Austin, my name is Amanda Hughes. I live in Dallas. I am a cannabis advocate. I am a cannabis advocate because I am also a patient. Um, And um, once I discovered that this plant medicine could help me, I had to know how. And um, through a series of education and certifications, I became a cannabis educator. So I also have a group on Facebook called Higher Education Texas, a private group for education about the plant, but also um, about Texas advocacy. And so um, I am a licensed esthetician. I have a spa in East Dallas. I'm an herbalist. I like roller skating. I like reading. I like Tex-Mex. So I'm really happy to be here because um, what of all the things um, we could have talked about all this time that you've had a podcast, it was in the back of my mind to come on the show and talk about so many different things. But I am so excited that I got to be here today to talk about the Texas Cannabis Conference because it's so important. Yeah, you are you are with uh, Texans for Responsible Marijuana Policy, correct? Correct. So I'm on the committee for this uh, policy conference coming up okay. in March. Okay. And tell us about this conference. It's coming up at Texas A&M, right? Yeah. So really cool because, you know, we haven't had a, an in-person conference since 2019. So um, in 2020 and 2021, COVID took that away from us, but we're going for it this year. So A&M wants to host us. So um, there, we're, we're so happy to be there. Uh, March 4th through 6th, um, so there's a Friday night reception um, and some musical entertainment and with uh, Hudson and Harris, you know, those attorneys that do the mm-hmm. Don't Eat Your Weed, so they're going to perform. Um, and then Saturday and Sunday, um, Saturday's the open session. There will be breakout sessions, keynote speakers, a banquet that night. Sunday, more breakout sessions and a closing session. So 
with this event, um, all of that I just mentioned, the schedule for everything and the details for what sessions look like is online. But what this event is, um, the Texas, it's the texascannabisconference.org is the link, by the way. So Texas Cannabis Policy Conference is an in-person event this year, yay, that mm -hmm. gives the attendees um, an opportunity to, to really truly connect with presenters and sponsors and other advocates. Some of the speakers include Texas legislators, um, state regulators for hemp, um, cannabis attorneys, healthcare professionals, cannabis researchers, cannabis academics and veterans, cultivators, patients, um, just other thought leaders and, and advocates come together for, um, for this event. Okay, I've heard there's there's going to be some pretty big names in Texas <laughs> politics there as speakers. So yeah, so, so who can I, we look forward? to I can tell from? you who's confirmed. Okay. So we do have Representative Moody from El Paso County, and we have Representative okay. James White. Was he's from the Houston area? So okay. we have those confirmed. They're already listed on the website um, as speakers. Um, but I truly feel like there will be some representation from other reps, um, at least attending, um, and certainly team members from, from reps. I'm, I'm hoping for a big turnout. Um, there's some representatives from the Texas District and County Attorneys Association. So, um, yeah, you know, and then a lot of big advocacy groups like Texas Normal and Texas Veterans for Medical sure. Marijuana and several several cannabis uh, law attorneys and people that really in are in the know will be attending and speaking i'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, uh industry professionals there from around the nation as well mm -hmm. for sure uh, yes now for for our listeners who may not be particularly familiar with those those representatives and their districts what party does each one of those represent? Mm -hmm. Are they both Democrat or are they? Mm -hmm. So by, you know? so each of them, uh, Moody's a Democrat, but James White okay. is, is not, he's a Republican. So I think it's really exciting to have some bipartisan conversations. That's sure. really the only way we're going to get, make changes. So. Sure. Absolutely. So you're also working on a special project for the conference. Tell us about that. Um, so the way that we raise money for this event comes from sponsorships and it comes from um, a silent auction. So there's two ways to be involved. A business or, or an organization can, can have various levels of exposure depending on what their um, interest is in the conference. But my particular um, role is the silent auction. So what I think is really cool about the silent auction, because I've been involved in silent auctions in the past, is that this one's going to be um, virtual and live and in person. So okay. I'm, I'm going to make it this auction go live um, Saturday morning, this Saturday morning. So two weeks before the event, people can go on and bid for all of on all of the items without attending the conference. And we'll have that auction bidding continue through um, Saturday afternoon of the conference and then in Saturday evening. So for the items, if people attend the event, obviously they can take them with them. But if not, then we're going to have them. We'll have those items mailed to them if they didn't attend. So I think that gives, you know, it gives the the people that have donated these items a little more exposure, and then it gives us the opportunity to reach more people that maybe can't or or aren't aren't interested in in attending. Okay, it, are donations still open? Or? Yeah, I can take donations. Truly, I could take auction donations until Thursday before the event. So Thursday the 3rd, but it will go live on Saturday. So to have the full exposure, I would really love to have it all put in um, by Saturday. But they can reach out to me um, real easy. Uh, email is probably the easiest way. I don't know if you're going to include like show notes or something, but it's so easy. It's Amanda Grace 1219 at Gmail. So I, I can take um, donations. But one thing that I think is really interesting um, that makes it more interesting is some donations can be experiences or services. So we've got some vacation opportunities and a couple of different services. And um, those, some of them will be local to different regions in Texas. So there'll be some for DFW and some in Austin and um, okay. some, some in Houston as well. So 
and some in College Station. I just got some good ones today, but um, I, it's just a wide variety, something for everyone and really at really different price points too. But cool. yes, I would love to take more. If I get to stay up late all night, Friday night, get them all put in to go live on Saturday, then that's what I'll do. Well, um, I think you're probably going to not get any help from this on that because this won't go live until Saturday. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if you're listening to us now and first of all, go check it out because you can just go to the tech, the, uh, the link I'll have posted. Chris has posted, everybody will share it, but it's actually on, we're doing it on an external, um, like auction support website called 32 auctions, but I'll have the link just scattered all over social media as well. But if you go to 32 auctions, you can search for the Texas Cannabis Conference and, and find that. But if it is Saturday and you still want to donate, just reach out to me. And if it's something really fantastic, then I'm going to make it work. Okay, perfect. Uh, there's going to be breakout sessions. You said something about breakout sessions on, on what your descriptions earlier. Tell yes. us a little bit about the breakout sessions and what those are all about. So these I had to write down because I knew I'd leave some out and some of them are not confirmed. Um, so I may have them titled slightly differently than they are going to be um, okay. in the final program. But, but they can um, go to the website and see the updates, right? Yeah. When you go to the website, you'll be able to see the times and the titles and subjects and some descriptions and then the participants. So um, okay, cool. for the panel, we'll have presenters and panels. Um, discussing things like cannabis as, med as medicine, um, business, and, and of course, cannabis uh, policy in Texas, uh, Texas hemp program, careers in cannabis, uh, marijuana policy laws, both state and federal, uh, teacups of the Texas Compassionate Use Program, hemp genetics from A&M Research, uh, lab testing, ways to support advocacy, uh, building with hemp, hemp cultivation, medical cannabis research, cannabis business security and banking and accounting, medical cannabis, um, I'm sorry, medical caregivers um, for patients, the rights for those, uh, cooking demos, which is going to be really fun, and then live plants that you can see and lab equipment and um, probably left some things out. So there's so much going on all day Saturday and all day Sunday um, in these in these one hour sessions. That's a lot, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, that's why I wrote it down. Now, I'm curious because I have never been, you know, the podcast, I'm actually sponsoring this conference. Yes, this thank you. Uh, and, um, I've never personally been to one here in Texas. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious how many people typically show up for this type of conference in Texas in the past? Um, you know, I attended the 2019 and I don't have the numbers, but I know that it was probably close to 200. Um, okay. For this one, we're expecting two to 300 participants. So okay, it's a big one. Cool. So this is this. Would you say that this is an important part of the process as far as moving the proverbial needle in Texas where cannabis legality is concerned? Absolutely. I mean, I don't know of any other event in Texas, um, there's not one, that brings this great variety of people together and these sort of thought leaders. I, I think that in addition to boosting the awareness and the connections and facilitating these conversations, um, especially with some of the sessions like marijuana laws in Texas and federally also the workshops on volunteering. Um, I think Jax is doing that, Jax with Texas Normal, doing a workshop on volunteering with your candidates with midterms coming up. I just think some of these things are, are, are so incredibly relevant right now. Sure. Um, and then, you know, having opportunities for people to learn about um, tech, the TCAP and the, the medical marijuana program in Texas and our hemp program and, and things that are growing and expanding. So I, I think that just having this opportunity and bringing this amount of people and then having the media attention and, and of course, we're going to live stream it and it, it, how could it not move the needle forward? I mean, we're, we're doing everything we can and Although, although through my experience, maybe you, you feel similar to this through my experience, it, it's, 
the cannabis space, it has a very, very grassroots feel to it. Mm -hmm. But the rate of growth is just, it's just rapid. And, and mm -hmm. there's so much work to do. So, so, so much work to do. I mean, we take these um, baby steps and reform. So <laughs> having all of this work requires a lot of people. So the more people we can get involved, then, then hopefully the faster we can shove the needle forward. Um, there's just so much work to be to be done and in, in, in events like this I find that there's more support than you can even imagine so if someone is just going there with the heart to help or the interest to learn more um, you're probably going to get more than you you ever imagined as far as support and information and then you know people can discover how how to strategize and and how to help expand expand the access and get involved with their representatives and um, do the work the right way. You know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, you pointed out we met in 2019, the beginning of the the session there um, down in Austin. Uh, and I have to say, you know, my advocacy started three years prior to that, or mm -hmm. a good two and a half years prior to that, in mm -hmm. the middle of 2016, when my son passed away. Uh, and I thought I was doing all kinds of things, you know, with with my Facebook page and the videos and my YouTube channel. And I mean, I was doing spending hours upon hours and research and the whole nine yards. But <clears throat> while I was gaining some following doing that, uh, the impact of actually making any kind of change other than I, uh, a few people that would contact me and say that it was me that opened their eyes and they stepped out and tried something and it's been wonderful and thank you, thank you kind of thing, you know. I got a lot of that in the beginning. But the impact toward change was actually minimal. Mm. You know, and, and so uh, it wasn't until... I stepped out of my shell and started attending events with Texas Normal and and Texans for Responsible Marijuana Policy. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, for me, you, you know as well as I do, it's it's a little bit further drive for me because I live a little bit further north than you do. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good little clip to go to Austin, you know, yes, to, to go to an event or, or something across Texas. Texas is a big state. But once I started doing that, then I could start to see the impact and I could start, you know, by meeting people like you and, and Lisa and Heather and Jax and, and uh, David Bass and, and I could go on for hours naming <laughs> people, right? Mm -hmm. But meeting all of these different people across the state of Texas and making those connections and, and what we do now as a, as a group. Mm-hmm we're making a lot more impact than I was just one person out there spewing my guts. Right. Yes. Uh, so uh, in retrospect, what you were saying there, it is important. If you feel strongly about this particular topic in the state of Texas, that in my opinion, I agree with you. This is, is one of the most important events that someone can attend, especially for the newcomer to the movement. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, because you're, where else are you going to get this amount of information in this short a time and have access to the people giving the information to, to meet, to, you know, rub elbows and ask questions. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I don't know that the things you did before you got involved don't make an impact because when you're putting out information um, through videos and social media and things that people don't really interact with, because sometimes I'll post something in my group and you know maybe a dozen people comment and maybe three dozen people like it and i just think well i should have just posted a funny weed meme because that gets a whole lot of response <laughs> that's that's it's in the but then later i find out that someone said oh yeah i saw you posted about 
you know, cannabinoids and uh, libido on Valentine's Day <laughs> or something. Yeah. And it really, you know, got my, my uh, husband and I to talking about it or, or it's really, you know, so you, you find out later things like that reach people in a way that you don't know because you're putting out information that you're not directly and timely interacting with. So I think it makes more of an impression. I mean, the, the, the reason that I got into education is because I knew that the only way to make change in anything is to have conversations about it. Yeah. And so it's, it might be illegal to use cannabis in many forms in Texas, but it's certainly not illegal to talk about it. Right. right. So the more we talk about it, the more that grows and expands. And when you get around like-minded people, like you, like the people that you mentioned and, and, you know, um, you and I that like the day we met in the on the street corner, it was instant conversation and my ideas grow from yours and yours grow from mine and iron sharpens iron, so to speak, right? So mm -hmm. having this amount of um, interest and enthusiasm and specialty and information all in one place is, I think it's, it's really powerful. Um, I'm really happy to be involved in it and sort of see, you know, how it unfolds and how it grows and how um, the wheels move in, in motion here to, to get this done. It's a, it's a really big event. I am going to say uh, proudly that the, the committee for this is all women. And so okay. that cool. was, yeah, that was really exciting to me. And um, it, it's, I think that the the more you get involved and the more you do start to see that needle moving and the more you see other people that are so empowering, the more you want to get involved and become empowered. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's what you and I have both seen happen over the last three years. And of course, with COVID keeping us um, from the events and keeping us from the Capitol a little bit and has made, I think for me, it has made me really more fired up to have this conversation, to have this conference, to, to, to get out and talk to people about midterm elections. And then, then we turn around and here we are back in another session at the beginning of next year. So I'm ready. Yeah. And, and if we do it right, and of course <laughs> that includes the elections, mm, mm -hmm. if we do it right, uh, and we can make a few key changes, and that's all I'm going to say about that because we all know who they are. Um, don't want to jinx it. <laughs> well, you know, and that's kind of the thing is I, I really, one thing that I, I love to do is to talk to people about truly like the bare minimal way that they can just get involved and under just to understand how Texas policies are made because a lot of people don't. You know, um, I spoke to an organization um, unrelated to cannabis, but in my spa world, I spoke to a large Texas organization of licensed professional um, estheticians and cosmetologists not too long ago because okay. there were some bills that were passed that either we didn't like or we didn't understand. And I broke it down like, hey, this is because they're just wanting to know like, oh my gosh, how did this happen? And it happened there the same way it happens, you know, with all bills and how sure. all bills in Texas are made. And it's just always so rewarding for me to tell people, like, this is how you just, this is how you get involved. Like you, you get involved and you build relationships with your, your local reps and you vote them in when you like what they have to say and you vote them out when they don't do what you want. It's like that simple. Yeah. And, um, I started that process a while back and like on Thursday, I'm going to my state rep's office and picking up her auction do donation for this policy conference. Mm -hmm. So you start building these relationships and it's really so much easier to get involved than people think. I think people are a little intimidated um, by, you know, politics and especially the complex uh, Texas politics. And so once, once you get around people that are um, people, just regular people like me and you, yeah. regular people that, are, um, no that are involved, yeah, regular people that are involved, 
you realize, you know, it's really very simple to get involved. And then you find out, wow, it's not just about cannabis. I can get involved with my legislators on all these issues I care about. Mm-hmm. So You know, there's so much of that, even at the federal level, that people don't realize the, the door is open for you to get involved. Yep. People just don't walk through it. Mm-hmm. They don't even look through it, most of them. They just want to stand on the street corner or at work in the break room and piss, moan, and complain. Mm-hmm. And then half of them don't even go to the polls and vote when it's time to vote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, had, I, I know. I had that conversation, you know, with a lot of people. You know how much uproar there was with the um, the abortion-related uh, mm-hmm. bill that passed. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. one seemed to be upset about it until it went into effect. And, and yeah. And that's just because they didn't know that it passed. They didn't know it was introduced. They didn't know who introduced it. They didn't know what was said. They didn't know. Well, and people, so it's so when when you get mad and you want to bitch and complain, great. Well, then you apply that to make sure that you don't feel that way again, right? Make sure that if you feel if you feel disappointed and angry with our lawmakers again, which you will, Mm-hmm. At least do it with the feeling of knowing that I did my part. Like I know that I did what I, the most I could do. Yeah. Well, and that's like if you follow the bills when all the bills get entered before the session ever even begins, most of them are already already been introduced, right? Right. And if, and if you follow that process at all, even vaguely watching the news, you know enough about it already, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're following that and there's something that you support and you see that it, it, it makes it through the house, you hear that news report and then you never hear anything else about it here in Texas. That means one thing that means it's sitting on one person's desk because sure. especially or, if it's cannabis related. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, there's a few other subjects that, that, He's done that too as well. I saw an ad today. I saw his. I saw his ad today, and it's your podcast, so you're going to be all uh, impartial. But I'm going to say it's Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. I saw an ad an ad today um, for him, and truly saying the exact same old stuff that he always says, and speaking yep. to the same audience that he yep. always speaks to. And he's just an example. There's other, of course, politicians that I can say this about and on both sides, you know. But there's but, not any other politician, not just to single out him as him, his person, Dan Patrick himself, the mm-hmm. position in the state of Texas. Yeah, it's the power that power. it's not. Yeah, it's not just the opinions he has. It's the power he holds. Right. Yeah. That right. position in the state of Texas holds too much power. You know, mm-hmm. the, the podcast is, is I'm not impartial at all. I have no problem calling out my <laughs> grievances with Dan Patrick. Uh, you know, I wish he would open his eyes, and I, I'm hopeful. I did will you say see, this. Did I, you see I'm David hopeful. Bass? Yes, I'm hopeful that his conversation he had with, with David Bass uh-huh. shows some sign of change of his opinion. But it's also an election year. Thank you. So that yeah. makes me leery, you know, I mean, and, and pardon this short break for a word from our sponsors. Hey, y'all. Are you enjoying the guests and subjects Gramps is bringing you each week? Did you know Gramps does this all on his own? No production team and no producers. Just Gramps. Please consider making a monthly contribution to help Gramps continue to do what he does in an effort to educate, agitate, and motivate millions to get involved. It is as easy as clicking on the link in the show description that says, support this podcast. It can be as little as 99 cents per month. As always, Gramps thanks you for listening and for your support. Welcome back to Gramps Place, the podcast where Gramps and his guests talk about all things of public interest. I'm sorry, I'm I'm old school. Uh, 
I don't care if you're you're Republican, you're you're Democrat, you're Libertarian, you're Independent, what party you want to call yourself a part of. If you've been in politics more than six to eight years, I don't want you in there anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, or that's my to, or, or, set, or take a different position. Well, right. If yeah, if you're, I'll I'll rephrase that. Let me back that up and rephrase it. If you've been in there six to eight years and all you're doing is collecting a check and whatever other frivolous checks you can get on the side <laughs> and not really giving a, a, a two hoots about your constituents and what they're asking for, then I want you out of there. If you're someone like uh, a few that I could name very easily here in Texas, I, I probably don't have to in present company, mm-hmm. but uh, that do those things, that listen to their constituents and work toward the things that their constituents are asking for continuously and consistently, and you don't change your positions because of special interest groups that have come in and said, hey, we got a little something, something for you, you know, uh, then yeah. that's okay. They can stay. But yeah. that's a fine line. And, and that comes back to, you know, people vote not either not voting or voting out of habit or well, I, voting I their wallet and not their conscience. You know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a really tough, tough. I think in this day and age, our present state of politics in the United States, politics as a whole, in my opinion, has reached the point that it has, especially at the federal level. It's not so much at the state level, but especially at the federal level, has reached the point it ha- it's at because of the fact that we don't vote based on our conscience. We don't vote based on issues. We vote based on colors and letters. Mm-hmm. Habit. That's what I mean. Habit. Yeah, yeah. People vote out of habit. So anyway, yeah. um, so tell us, uh, just for for grins, um, this teacup program here in Texas that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about where it's at today. Uh, for those that may not know, and okay. uh, what maybe our goals are this this next go round. Okay. So. Uh, I'm going to just give you all this off the top of my head so you remind me I'm leaving anything out. So 2015, the Texas Compassionate Use Program became a program. It's our medical marijuana program. It is the Republican version of what is accepted as medical marijuana in Texas. And I say that because obviously there was bipartisan support, but this is what a Republican dominated Texas legislator will allow. This is, sure. this, this, this is started in 2015. Abbott signed it. It was uh, covered intractable epilepsy and it only um, intractable means you've tried three medications, pharmaceutical medications, and they haven't worked successfully. Um, and it was 0.5% THC cap, capped at 0.5, which is very, very low, but it was a high CBD. Nevertheless, it did help some people. 2017, uh, we were unsuccessful in in getting any reform on this program. Mm -hmm. 2019, so Texas, as you know, has only has legislative sessions every other years, every other year, odd number of years to to introduce and change, introduce bills and change laws. Mm -hmm. So in 2019, um, we had hoped to increase the THC level to uh, as much as 5% was on one bill. Um, I think there was another bill that there was no limit, but that didn't get very far at all. And to expand it by including more conditions, ideally we would want to have no qualifying conditions. We would want to just have a doctor's diagnosis and referral. Um, But so what we got in 2019 was instead of 5%, we got the 0.5% cap of THC to be at 1% which is double, so uh, it is it is better. It's that still... was in 2021 that happened. Oh, That's sorry, 2021. Yeah, <laughs> you got to see, I told you, you got you to gotta wake me up. You, you're mixing the last two seconds. I know, you got to wake me up. So, two, so 20, and you know what? It's like that. I'm not, I'm not kidding. 
since COVID, I feel like all those last three years run together. They do. Okay, so in 2021, we did expand and get more um, uh, things added. So we have many, so too many neurological conditions for me to list, but um, sure. seizures, of course, um, epilepsy, autism, uh, ALS, Parkinson's, etc. And uh, two big things that changed were we got. Uh, PTSD added as a qualifying condition. So um, the veterans of the state really, really, really did a lot of work for everyone for that. Um, but it's PTSD for anyone that qualifies, not just for veterans. Mm -hmm. And in 2019, cancer was added, but in 2020, I mean, or I'm sorry, terminal cancer was added in 2019. And in 2021, it became any diagnosis of cancer. So they also changed the wording a little bit to um, which allows for stronger, quote unquote, stronger, more potent products to be made in the program. Um, so even though it's a 1% cap, there are um, 10 milligram and 20 milligram THC products available. There's no flour, so you cannot purchase flour and make your yeah. own products and you can't smoke there's tincture and there's um, some edible products. Um, it's mm -hmm. helping a whole lot more people though than it used to. We had, um, you know, record number, I don't know the numbers right now because I haven't checked in a while of people enrolling. We still only have two dispensaries dispensing medication, but um, if it wasn't for the fact that Texas was so big and spread out and not everybody's close to a, a, a location, two is really able to handle the patient load right now so and we have a whole lot more doctors that have signed up to be teacup doctors we call so you know if you if you think that you qualify or you want to know if you qualify um there are teacup doctors that want you to have a um, diagnosis or some of them will help you help you get that diagnosis if that's their their specialty i suppose but i think um you know, a lot of people really, really talk down about our program because when you compare it to other medical marijuana programs in sure. other states, it is very weak. But I know an enormous amount of people that are benefiting from it. Um, I, I, I saw something today that sort of brought tears to my eyes is um, a, a friend of mine, her son, uh, since it was expanded, her son has had a seizure and has had some head trauma due because of it and um, hit a stroke, actually, and then a seizure after. So so she just announced today that he qualifies and he's become a patient and he's a minor. So it was really um, heartwarming for me to see that some of the work that we do is helping someone else that I personally know. Mm -hmm. So it's um it, it's helping a lot of people and i think that it's not enough right it, it we should we should be able to you know i think we should be able to home grow our own medicine i'm i'm an herbalist i got a i got a garden full of of medicine right yeah of helping plants so why can't i just have this one right yeah um, it's just another plant yeah exactly so but it, i think ultimately that that's what that's where we should be, but we're a long ways from that. And so we take what we have and we, we build on it. So if each session we can build on it, at least we're moving forward. And I feel like the more um, awareness and education, uh, the more patients that get enrolled, the, the more interest there is in this, the more people that talk to their representatives about this, and that's key, the, the faster we can get there. So. The more you communicate with your reps what you want and, and how you want it and what your interests are, um, then the more they want to help you either because they're good people or because they want your vote or both. As long as they do the work, I don't care. So sure. it's um, we would love to see a program that has no limits on any cannabinoids that includes flour so you could make your own medicine that um, includes a variety of terpenes that that has um, easier access, you know, they do 
There's only two locations that you can pick up. There are some pop-ups that happen from time to time. And then of course there's delivery. Um, but the, the more we can expand it, the more affordable we could make this program because the medicine medications are not cheap. Yeah. Um, but what's also not cheap is, you know, chasing uh, health, uh, allopathic Western medicine healthcare and pharmaceutical drugs isn't cheap either. So yeah. if we can substitute some of that, um, that would be great. So things like, you know, people say, well, how come insurance doesn't pay for it? And a lot of the, a lot of the issues we have with our medical program is our issues that all states have with their medical program. And those, mm -hmm. are, those are more due to federal regulations. So yeah. as long as it's a federally illegal plant, then insurance is probably not going to touch it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of I, doctors, I think. I'm, well, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that we can make a change at the lieutenant governor's office and we get a bill that's for an adult use program all the way to Governor Abbott's desk because I'm pretty sure Governor Abbott's going to get reelected. Uh, and I think if we could get a bill to his desk, he would sign it. Yeah, I, I think he would sign it because he always wants to be a hero, right? He wants to mm -hmm. be able to say, I did that for you. You're welcome. And that's fine. But I, I do believe that the medical program and the adult use or what's, you know, a lot of people are going to recognize as recreational um, mm -hmm. cannabis use. Those are two separate issues in this state for sure. I really support expanding our medical program, even if adult use was legal tomorrow. Absolutely. And, and the, reason Absolutely. Is, the reason is because of the protecting the parents and the caregivers and then finding ways to um, make it actual health care and, and ult ultimately, if federal laws change, get insurance involved and costs to go down. I know that, you know, if we had an adult use program, there would be less people trying to get into the medical program. That makes sense. But at least the medical program, um, one thing that we did get in 2021 was some some protection for these caregivers. Yes. So we need to always have that in place, I think. Well, the, the reason I, I say adult use program and why I went for the full Monty there. <laughs> well, uh, that's the goal, right? I mean, well, I want to have the, the reason I say that is, is there's actually two reasons, because one, I believe if we go for the gusto, that's going to open the door on every, anything and everything for the medical side, because there's no one holding back at that point, mm -hmm. number one. And then the other point is, is because once you've, once you've gone to an adult use market, now you have the ability, as long as you don't overregulate and overtax, you have the ability to not only protect the children and, and the, the parents and the, the patients who are using the medical side, but everybody's protected from, right. and, and they know what they're using. Right. That's right. my goal. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, it's where everybody can, can be not only protected because they have test, tested products that we know what's in it, et cetera, et cetera. We know the argument, right? Yeah. But also, so we have the ability for those patients who need, large quantities like cancer patients and are in fixed income can go till a little plot of land in their backyard and grow some plants and grow their own medicine. That's exactly, that's, that's true freedom right there, right? That's the ultimate freedom. Absolutely. Um, I do feel like, you know, I do feel hopeful in 2023 that we expand this program and I do feel hopeful that there'll be some good um, decriminalization bills introduced you know, as far like Houston, Austin and, and Dallas of the DAs at least, and then Houston, I mean, Austin citywide, they, they have done their own decriminalization, mm -hmm. um, made their own effort towards that. So, but making it statewide is, I think I'm, I'm a little more hopeful that we'll have that. Um, and then also like expunging records and, you know, freeing prisoners and, and, and all of that. I think that I do, I do feel hopeful for that in, in the next session and then expanding the medical. I think that we're uh, truly, I believe that we are, you know, three sessions away from planting 10 plants in your backyard. Yeah, and three uh, is conservative, probably yeah. more, probably yeah. more. 
Um, but I also feel like, and this is, you know, this is such a simple way to put this, but I do feel like, you know, having a medical program in Texas since 2015 and expanding it a little bit more um, since then near in almost every session, I think that that you just, I want to look at some of these like quote unquote prohibitionist legislators and say, but did you die? Because <laughs> yeah. no one died. So give us more. Like, I think, well, I do think that they get, they have to, if they, if the legislators are not getting more comfortable with the idea of medical cannabis in Texas, certainly their constituents are, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I just feel like it, it expands. I know that I do talk to these things with my, my house rep and um, she said that each, each, each year she feels like she has more and more constituents talking to her about medical cannabis in Texas. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I know the, the work that uh, Ground Game Texas is doing with the decrim city by city. Mm -hmm. uh, I know San Marcos is running a petition to get signatures now. And Denton, right out there by not far from you. How far yeah, are you from Denton? Uh, five minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> liter literally. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, isn't there, there's, a, uh, it's happening in Denton, I think. This yeah, there's called. a press conference today. That's so, uh, and, and I've been asked to speak at that press conference. Oh, perfect. And, and tell, you know, uh, William's story, how mm -hmm. he, he was leery of the consequences of mm -hmm. the law, breaking the law to try it for his epilepsy. So, mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna try you know, it, it's interesting to me that, you know, I, I do talk to people that are worried about laws and, and that I think that, you know, not to get into Delta 8 because I'm so tired of talking about Delta 8, <laughs> but that was really confusing, I think, to a lot of people new to cannabis as to uh, my friend bought this Delta 8 and she got really stoned and how is this legal in Texas? It's, it's um, so many people are either worried about, is this plant going to kill me? Am I going to go to hell? Or am I going to go to jail, right? So once yeah. we get past those three stigmas, you know, I, I think that slowly people start to realize, you know, well, I'm however old I am today, and I've never known anyone to overdose on marijuana, right? Or mm -hmm. my uh, my bingo partner at church told me that she's using. Delta eight for her sleep. Like, I think that the stigmas, you know, we're scratching away at it, but um, the, ba the baby boomer generation is the fastest growing demographic and that's good because they still vote. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you're, it's having all of these little uh, citywide or countywide um awareness and uh, changing of the city and county policies is, is really shows, I think, obviously you expect that to happen in cities over, over rural areas, but I think it's gonna really start to, people are, even if they're hesitant and reluctant to embrace and accept it, they're gonna really start to see it was okay. Mm -hmm. We did this and, and it's okay. And, and Texas, you know, rural Texas is gonna be the last to turn for sure. Um, but also, you know, those rural areas are the areas that are consumed with uh, meth use. And yeah, that's my, a whole, whole nother. My number one argument is, first of all, keeping it illegal and, and the medical side at such a restrictive state is not stopping anyone that wants to abuse it anyway. No, of course not. Right. And then number two, uh, it's just, I'm sorry. It was 1996 when California legalized medical marijuana. <laughs> right, right. It's 2022, people. I know. The bottom has not fallen out yet. People have all kinds of uh, worries about the bottom falling out. Like if there's a dispensary and it's, it's going to make all the kids start smoking pot. I'm like, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, we've been smoking pot. <laughs> the yeah. kids have been doing that and will continue to be doing that 
and putting a dispensary only just improves the quality and safety of the pot they might be smoking. Yeah. So I, I, it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a frustrating battle. And truly when you get down to the, the conversation that you can have with people about, uh, well, why is it illegal to begin with? Mm-hmm. And basically by keeping it illegal in 2022, we're just maintaining a policy that was, you know, racist, right? Yeah. We, we're just, we're just still continuing to, to maintain a racist policy from, you know, the thirties and on into the, into ne- Nixon era. Um, so it's, it's infuriating. It really is. Um, and I really don't feel like, I feel like in the, at the federal level, I can't remember if I, I think I scheduled this post. It'll be, it'll come, it'll be posted in my higher education, Texas group before this UNI air. So before Saturday, and it was just an update on some federal, um, changes. And all it is, is, you know, multiple types of bills that address um, multiple cannabis issues in the country. And they're all really, they all are really good bills. Yeah. Like, they're not wonderful and perfect, because in a perfect world, we would just deschedule it and forget about it. And, and be done with it. Yeah, yeah but, but they're all really, really good bills. Um, the problem is, you know, pushing them through. It's, it's just, so the conversations are being had, the bills are being written, um, you know, even when Biden and, and Harris ran, uh, they talked about decriminalizing, and I realize they haven't done that, and hopefully they'll, that will change, but I tweet them every day. at least they're talking about it, and <laughs> I know that's just like Dan Patrick, well, he said it too, the, the other day went to David Bass, he's, he's listening, and it's an election year, and that's why, you know, they do blow smoke, but that doesn't mean that we don't hold their feet to the fire. Absolutely. Right? We don't Absolutely. We still hold their feet to the fire. I mean, that's what elections are for. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. If I, if I talked to Kamala, I'd be like, wow, the first female vice president. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay, so you said you were going to decriminalize marijuana. What, if, what about that? Because don't lie. Like, you know, it's like I, you got to hold, hold their feet to the fire. And sometimes, especially in Texas, um, you know, people, and, and I know that you and I are both on a lot of like social media pages and we see people. Um, I don't have a lot of this in my group, but I think it's because it's a private group. But I see a lot of it in public groups where people say, well, I'm not a single issue voter and I'm not going to vote for somebody just because they said that they'll decriminalize cannabis. I'm just going to keep using illegal like I always have. What's the yeah. big deal? Well, the big deal is probably that you're white <laughs> and the risk you're, you're not really quite as worried about getting busted and you're selfish because now you're only, you're only considering, well, I have access I don't care if these sick people get regulated cannabis or if caregivers are protected or if medical refugees are moving out of the state or if people are sitting in jail for something that I'm sitting on my couch doing. I mean, when people say that I, you know, well, I'm going to be just fine because I'm going to smoke anyway, whether it's legal or not, that burns me up. That, that I hate that. I can't, when people say that I'm constantly, I'm, I'm going to, you want to fight? Cause that's when I'm going to start, I'm going to start talking. Yeah. It's, it's infuriating. And I know that, you know, I'm not really a single issue voter either. There's um, LGBTQ issues are important to me, but I, 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 I I am. um, This is an issue that is important to everyone. And if it's not, you don't want to use the plant. If you have no interest in ever using cannabis whatsoever, then who the hell are you to stand in my way of my freedom to do what's right for me and my family and my health when it doesn't affect you at all? Yeah. Yeah. You know, why point blank, I, I, I put it simply because of my situation and why I became a part of this world. Uh, no one should ever be faced with a decision my son was faced with. Right. Right. It wasn't that he didn't have the means to get it. We could, we could have, we could have handled that. No problem. Yeah. 
He was afraid of the repercussions. Mm -hmm. He did. Well, he just flat ass refused to break the law. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was afraid. Because he was a a stand up citizen. He did not want to go against (laughs) what's known to be right. Yeah. So that's, that's, and I know you and I have talked about that before and talked about him as in how that pertains, but I tell people this all the time and I find myself saying it a lot too. When I talk, if I, if I teach and I'm talking to like um, a smaller town or an older demographic or a more conservative type demographic, mm-hmm. you know, the difference between something being illegal and something being immoral is vast. Oh, absolutely. It's a huge, it used to be illegal for me to vote, for women to vote. It mm-hmm. used to be legal for people to own other people mm-hmm. <laughs> like so the the laws are not based on morals i mean obviously no. some of them are because we no. murder is illegal but the fact being something being illegal does not make it immoral and us questioning laws that, that men make that that humans have created that's that's what we're supposed to do so part of the problem with his decision was we didn't have the knowledge that i have today Mm-hmm. Had I known then what I found out after he passed away, mm-hmm. it would have been a different story. Oh, sure. Because I would have had the ammunition to convince him, look, you know, this is what you need to do. If yeah. if it means you need to move, then okay, let's go, you know. Right, right. Uh, that was the big hang-up for him was just he was brought up to be you know, an upstanding citizen. We do what's right. We don't break the law. And and I can't do anything but commend him for being the young man that he was. But Absolutely. Making the best decision with the information I, I, he had. I kicked myself for not doing the research sooner. Oh, well, I'm a but, parent. I'm a parent, too. And parenting is, it's always full of uh, what, could have should as and what is, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, at any rate, we've gone way off a different tangent here. <laughs> <laughs> as we do. Uh, how can people find out more info about <laughs> oh, the that, conference? that conference? The conference. Yeah, you know, that thing we started talking uh-huh. about when we yep. first. Okay, so TexasCannabisConference.org. TexasCannabisConference.org. So there's three levels um, of uh, of attending. So there's a general admission, which is 99 bucks, and it is it includes Friday. There's a welcome reception, Saturday and Sunday coffee, open session, breakout session, and then closing on Sunday. Um, then there's an all access, which is 249 dollars. What this does is it adds the keynote speakers that are going to be um, on Saturday and Sunday. And then it adds breakfast on Saturday and Sunday and lunch. And then there's an awards banquet Saturday night. So that adds all of that. And then there's a VIP. The VIP is just 50 bucks more. So it's $2.99. That gives you priority seating. So at all the breakout sessions, there'll be reserved seating for those VIPs. Um, And then a VIP cocktail party with the speakers. So a, a smaller group where you can get to really mingle and, and just talk and rub elbows with the speakers. So um, you can purchase all of that on the website, TexasCannabisConference.org. It's in College Station at A&M, March the 4th through the 6th. Okay, and perfect. if you can't, if you have any questions, can't find it, you want to donate an auction item, you can find me. So Facebook group, um, Higher Education Texas, or... Um, Amanda Hughes, you can email me, Amanda Grace 1219 at Gmail, or, or tell Chris to find me. <laughs> Make Chris and I'll, I'll put links to all that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Uh, and I want to thank you, Amanda, for joining me tonight and telling us all about this conference coming up. Well, thank you for having me, listening, uh, helping us promote it. Thank you for sponsoring also, and I can't wait to see you. Absolutely. And uh, I can't, I can't wait to see everyone. It's been a long time. Grant's Place. 
where Gramps and his guests discuss all things of public interest and anything else that might need a little changing here in the good old USA. From ending the drug war and freeing those wrongfully imprisoned for crimes that have no victim, to making government more like what our forefathers intended of we the people again. Gramps talks with doctors, scientists, politicians, and more, so you can make your own decisions on important issues in the USA. Be sure to subscribe where you get your podcasts or visit GrampsPlace.net today. And as always, thank you for listening to Gramps Place.